0: Recording in a rush today. Welcome to 100 Pods. gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to episode 334 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and we're recording in a bit of a rush because I'm doing something cultural this evening, so we're recording in the afternoon instead. Today I'm joined in his own living room by English Dan.
1: Hello and welcome.
0: And by Andres. Hello and welcome to. Who is also in English Dan's living room, as as am I.
1: Otherwise it would be fairly difficult to record.
0: Indeed, yes, because we don't like recording over Skype. We are... uh, we are subscribed? No, we are sponsored by Fanatis, who allow you to watch the Superliga, the Copa Argentina, and we can now officially say the Copa Superliga, which apparently is the name, in spite of the fact that they've all been calling it the Copa de la Superliga all season. You can until it kicks off. The neighbors
1: are, the dog's going crazy. Yes, we apologize for the shot. dog
0: if you can hear him in the background or her. Um, through Fanatis, if you're outside Latin America, you can watch any of the top tier Argentine domestic. Um, competitions. If you're in the United States of America, then you can also watch the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana live via their times with Bn Sports, um, and you can catch La Liga, League One, uh, which is becoming competitive all of a sudden with mm-hmm. Paris Saint Germain losing a lot, which is quite funny, um, and various other competitions. If you're a Handapod listener, then you can get 20% off your first three months with Fanatis by going to fntz.co slash HOP and using the discount code HOPFZ. Please go and check it out. Even if you've already signed up or if you don't plan to sign up, then if you click that link uh, from outside Latin America, it does help us as well. Um, And they were very happy with our performance over the first month and a half that they were with us so uh hopefully we can continue that andres and you've got yes, your hand up
2: i wanted to add because i think i i, I mentioned this before but uh, it's good to refresh it that uh for the ones living in argentina like, like 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 us uh we have the only option to subscribe or to um watch uh, argentina football via the paquete football which is more expensive than Fanatics and gives you less things because
0: only Argentine football, of course. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's uh, you, you get other even if you're outside the United States with fanatics. You do also get some other leagues in South America. I can never remember exactly which yes. ones, um, but yeah, it is better value than the Paquete Football, and you get the same transmission because they, they take the uh, the local Argentine transmissions. Um, we have, as I say, got the Copa de la Superliga. to fill you in on which as I also just said and now have to correct myself again it's not called the Copa de la Superliga the Superliga were referring to it like that all season long so were the media and then it actually started and all the television transmissions and the logo came out and all the rest of it and and the Superliga official Twitter account started tweeting about it and apparently it's just called Copa Superliga there we go no doubt we'll be calling it the wrong thing for a few weeks until we get used to that Mm. anyway the results from that competition, um, in not in the order they were played in, because my Argentine Live Score app doesn't have the matches in the order they were played in. Uh, so I'm going to just read them out in the order that they were that they're listed. Estudiantes nil, Banfield one, San Martín de Tucumán one, Unión one, Colón nil, Tigre nil. I can tell you that that was the first match of the uh, weekend on Friday evening because I remember. San Martín de San Juan, two, Tasheres nil. Rosario Central, nil, Aldo Civi, two. Belgrano, three, Lanús, two. Patronato, one, Godoy Cruz, one. Argentinos Juniors, three, Independiente, two. San Lorenzo, nil, Huracán, 0 and Gimnasia y Escrima La Plata, nil. Newell's Old Boys, one. Most of those matches, normally, um, I'm a firm believer that the scoreline doesn't necessarily tell you how good a match was. Uh, it's perfectly possible to have a very decent game that ends 0-0 or 1-0. Um, most of this weekend's matches, though, were about as poor as the scoreline suggests. And the two best ones, at least the ones that I caught significant amounts of, uh, were Belgrano Lanús and Argentinos Independiente, which were the two that finished 3-2. Gents, any thoughts?
1: I can't really so much must say. I... I took a, week, a weekend off from football, mostly, you know, after so much celebrating and being happy for, <laughs> for Racing's title win. Um, I caught a little bit of the Belgrano-Lanus game. Seems entertaining enough. Um, but no, I can say in general terms what this means, especially for the clubs who have entered at this, um, at this first stage, because obviously we've got, how many is it, six? Teams to enter late? Later. Yes, the top six are top going six. in at the next round. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because for most of those top six, they're already in the Libertadores for next season. and So the Copa Superliga is not going to have a great amount of importance, I would say.
0: But then it's a title. This it, is, yeah, we got a question about this last week and I sort of said people here take Super Cups seriously. So I can't see how how the Copa Superliga isn't going to be yeah, taken. Yeah, I mean... That's another title it's one thing, make. you
1: know, winning it and celebrating this, yeah. It's another thing entirely to decide you're going to go it all out for it, I think, especially for the clubs who... Who still have Libertadores commitments. For the clubs
0: in this, this
1: year's Libertadores. I mean, take, take River, they're already up, next right. year's Libertadores. They don't take even uh, the real league seriously. Can you see them doing anything but... Um, Taking the Copa superliga very very lightly, mm. and Boca, I imagine, as well. Racing uh, will probably take the opportunity to try out a few players. So I'd say definitely um, there's the opportunity for some of the teams who might not have done too well uh, in the in the actual league, but might have finished strongly. We saw, you know, Argentinas so who we were crap for most of the the season, but came through the last two or three months. They look pretty good, and, and they had a great result, you know. Uh, again, Over Independiente, thanks. Incidentally, to, to a former Racing favourite, Gabriel Auche, who scored a double. Still bagging him in. Uh, and it was actually a very good performance. Yeah. So it
0: was a very good performance from Argentinos by and large. Independiente scored the first and last goals of the game. Pablo Perez opening the scoring, 25 minutes in. Um, and Cecilio Dominguez got, uh, I guess you could call it a consolation, uh, pulled it back to 3-2. Um, which really I, th- I thought was, on the balance of most of the match, it seemed to be a, a deficit that was a little bit less, perhaps than 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 the amount that Independiente deserved to lose by. Argentina, by than and large, were, yeah. were very good and very effective on the counter. Well, it's a bit more than a consolation,
1: right? Because it's over two legs, as we said yeah. just before recording. This took us all by surprise because we sort of understood that it would only be one leg for the uh, for the first games, but. Why
2: not, yeah, where there's one, uh, why not two? I finally
0: will count the, the, the away goals. I don't remember. Away goals count, yeah. We, finally, I, I've yes. been um, mentioning uh, contradictory versions of this, depending on what I've most recently read prior to recording, uh, whenever we were asked about it during, this, during the league season. Um, but it turns out that away goals do count. Up until and including the semi-finals, of course they don't count in the final because the final is just a one one-off match on neutral territory.
2: We hope. <laughs> so, it's a, yeah. so it is a good a good defeat for Independiente. Of all defeats, of course, losing three-two means that they winning one little uh, second round. Something yeah, like, but uh, it advance.
0: And it was also it was really fortunate because before just just before Dominguez um, scored Independiente second, uh, they could have conceded another one. I think Dinos could have won four-one. Um, I think it was Claudio Spinelli, perhaps, who, who scored Argentinos second. I think it was him who, who missed the chance to make it four-one, if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah, it was a it was one of the better games. Um, overall. It wasn't Spinelli because he, he was subbed off before Alce scored to make it three-one. So it was someone else. Um, but yeah, that was one of the better games of the weekend. Um, and I think, by and large, that the the overall lack of quality in this round was or has so far. Um, some of it I think has to do with the top six teams being the ones who are excluded and the top six teams obviously are the ones who've brought a, a disproportionate amount of the quality to this league. Mm-hmm. Um, by definition, a, a lot of the other teams are going to be really poor because they were finishing below 20th place even. Um, yeah, I think the standard yeah.
1: of um, the biggest game uh, between quotation marks of the weekend says, "All oh, right, the San Lorenzo, Huracan, Derby... Which
0: was which exactly exactly as and what bad, yeah. all thought it was going to be um, which is to say not at all it, it was atrocious
2: I think in normal conditions the teams that have, have been relegated wouldn't be great but uh, uh, as it was only one week after the, the Superliga finished it's not that surprising mm. the, also, the, relega- the relegated
1: teams won
0: the relegated teams all yeah. took it fairly seriously yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah,
2: and yeah
0: Patronato drew at home to Godoy Cruz Belgrano beat Lanús San Martín de San Juan sorry Patronato of course just survived didn't they they didn't get relegated San Martín de San Juan beat Tacheres uh, from what I caught quite handily San Martín de Tucumán drew with Union and Tigre of course are the only relegated team who get their second leg at home Mm. because of the fact that they actually finished in the top half of the table they finished ninth Um, and I thought that some of that perhaps had to do with the knowledge for these teams that it might turn out to be their last home game of the season Want to go out on a high if they're going to oh, get yeah, knocked course. out of this competition, but also it, it, it's a sort of good way. I guess if you've already been relegated but you have a, a shot at a, a trophy, then just playing for go pride, for I think. More than exactly, anything, yeah. um, it's going to be interesting to see how the dynamic changes next season when the Copa Superliga will count towards yes. the relegation standings. Um, and indeed, seemingly, since we recorded, there have been noises made saying that next season it will be a league competition.
1: Yeah, two signs of twelve
0: teams, right? Listeners who uh, were listening last week will remember that it was announced that it was going to change to two groups of twelve sides, as Dan says. Um, with, I think that they, I'm sure that they said initially semi-finals and the final, but it's now that that just seems to have switched final. to just a final. Yeah. Um, and they said it will be a national cup and it will count towards relegation. And after that, a lot of people, it wasn't only us, said, well, hang on a second, how can you have a cup competition counting towards relegation? So they've decided instead to make it a league title. Because another thing that a lot of people pointed out was just how similar the the structure was to the title, as we did last week, to the title that Lanús won in 2016. Um, It's exactly the same structure. The only difference is the number of teams involved. Um, So it seems like next year's Copa Superliga is going to be a league title on the official AFA record books, this year's Copa Superliga is not. It is a cup. Um, we got confirmation of that, what was it, about 45 minutes before the yes. first game kicked off on Friday evening or something. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's let's enjoy it. Hopefully the second legs will be a little bit more interesting. Did anybody actually catch all or most of Belgrano Vilanus? I
1: saw the last 15 minutes. I, I saw so exactly. a significant bunch a of highlights,
0: one. but that was it. Um, it was
1: entertaining,
0: there was some. Ah, uh, that was the one that was. Um, that's right. Yeah, it was two-one to Belgrano after 11 minutes. Sorry, I saw most of the game actually. I just, just like the match that we're watching while we record Man City versus Tottenham. I managed to get into the flat right after the goals dried up. Um, I, I got in about literally switched the television on and saw them celebrating Leonardo Sequeira's goal to put Belgrano two-one up after 11 minutes. Um, and then it was Federico Lertora with a very good headed goal. Uh, 10 minutes into the second half, and Facundo Quignon with another headed goal for Lanús, which was, I'm going to say, not quite as good. Uh, Completely unmarked. Um, Which has been a problem for Belgrano all season, which is one of the reasons they're relegated. Um, And, again, puts Lanús in with a a decent chance, I think, just like Independiente against Argentinos. Two away goals Um, and a second leg at home is is going to be a big help for them. Um, Other than that, though... Really slim pickings Uh quality-wise. We've mentioned San Lorenzo uh, Huracán, which is the Clásico, and I think that we've given it as much talking time as it deserved because it was appallingly bad. Um, The first goal of the competition, the first ever Copa Superliga goal in the history of Argentine football was scored by Maxi Rodriguez with a 97th-minute penalty for Newell's away to Gymnasia. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's another talking point. And beyond that...
2: Not much. eh,
0: Not much at all. As I said, exactly the level of quality that you would expect if you took the top six teams, the the only six teams that are really consistently good at all uh, out of a competition for the first round of it.
2: I think there was only one team at least where I remember. Uh, For example, Colón played against... uh, Who was it in Copa Superliga?
0: Colón played Tigre.
2: Tigre. And yesterday they beat uh, Municipal for Copa Sudamericana. Yeah, of Peru. So it was... Like normally uh, th- happens when they Superliga that they have to play, uh, perhaps when they have the, the, the Continental Cup, uh, to play Sunday and, 20- and Wednesday, for example. And in this case, it, well, I think it was only Colón that had that problem. Um, because. Uh,
0: Union are playing ah, uh, tonight. And last Away week. to Independiente del Valle mm-hmm. uh, of Ecuador, the 2016 Libertadores ah, runners up. Yes,
2: and Racan also played last week also. Yes,
0: yeah, that's right. Um, But yeah, the Colón, that Sudamericana tie, actually, I thought was a a pretty good illustration of, you know, we we complain a lot about the low standard in Argentina, and particularly in the Argentine lower tables. And Colón have looked very, very ordinary this season. Um, And yet they've just beaten Municipal, who are one of the better sides, allegedly, uh, in Peru at the moment. Five 0 on aggregate.
2: No, they, are the, they are one of the most popular, but I heard that they won their last title in 1950 or something mm. like that. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're
0: clearly they're doing well American, at the moment yes. if they're in the Sudamericana.
2: They yeah. have uh, some some a player that Dan knows I don't think knows yeah. that well, but uh, like Hideo, Arevalo Rios. A great yeah. experience of course. Now uh, his performance must not be that that good because playing there, I mean. It may happen that he's not at his best, Hmm. but
0: uh, yes. But while we're on the subject of the Sudamericana, I can't remember whether we mentioned, um, it was about a month ago, it was the first uh, leg of um, this Independiente del Valle versus Union tie. Um, Independiente del Valle had a bunch of injuries and a couple of suspensions or something, and for the first leg when they came down to Santa Fe um, to play the first leg a month ago, they only had uh, 15 players travelled one goalkeeper who wasn't their first choice, and they were only able to name four subs because they just didn't have enough available players. Um, of, of the ones who you know were fit and not suspended, there weren't enough who were actually registered in the Sudamericana squad. Um, and so they ended up losing 2-0 to Union, which I think, it could be said, is, is quite a surprise. Um, and if I weren't off to the cinema to see some theatre this evening, um, then... I'd be quite interested in the second leg of that one because Independiente are going to be... Independiente del Valle, sorry, are going to be naming a very, very different team indeed. And Union are going to be... It's their first ever continental away match. It's at high altitude. Um, They're going to need to get used to it. And it's going to be a really interesting battle of wits, I think. Apparently, as well, Union have been helped out since uh, arriving in Ecuador. They've been training in Guayaquil and one of their former players now owns... A travel agency or a logistics company or something in Guayaquil, and he's the one who's been helping them out since they got to the airport and has set them up in the hotel and is sorting out their transport and stuff around, which is which is nice. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, anyway, Copa Superliga. Anything else to add? No, let's stop talking. It's about a struggle, this. isn't it? We should we should mention some other stuff though that's happened as well since um, domestically. Uh, the, the probably the biggest story of the weekend really um, is that San Lorenzo while the men's team might not be very good indeed um, have made some history on a positive note they have become the first Argentine club to hand out contracts to their female players we knew that this was coming of course because we mentioned about a month ago how the AFA had uh, created a new rule saying that within 90 days all clubs in the top flight of the women's league had to professionalise their squads the AFA are going to be subsidising those clubs for eight contracts San Lorenzo um, have said that they are going to pay 15 players. In fact, they haven't just said it, they've started doing it because those players signed contracts on Thursday? Friday. Friday? Last Friday. Friday wasn't it? Um, including a new signing, Macarena Sanchez, who is a name that you will have probably heard if you've been paying attention to. The, well, you will have heard it if you've been paying attention to the story, and you might have heard it if you haven't, um, because she is the lady who everybody's been talking about worldwide, who was suing white Urquiza for professionalism. Um, she can't actually play for the team yet because she can't switch clubs outside transfer windows even on a free transfer mm-hmm. because of the contractual situation that she's suing Kisa over. Um, but she will be a San Lorenzo player next uh, season and she is training again now with them. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, you that you mentioned, I think, in several episodes that they were far better than their uh, male side. Yeah. And they beat Lenus 9-0. Mm.
0: Yes. Indeed. Uh, and they're still on track to go top of the uh, Primera Femenina. Um, I'm just trying to get my phone open without using a thumbprint because I've got sugar all over my thumbs because we're eating pastries while we record. Um, but in the Primera Femenina, River is still top at the moment. But Wajor have still got loads of games in hand because they keep having like, providing half of the squad for the national team when the national team go away. Um, the national team have just got back from their US tour. Uh, by the way which we mentioned a few weeks ago which went I think they won two, drew one and lost one or something against various university teams um, so the weekend just gone River got a 3-2 win over San Lorenzo away from home Guayorquisa as Andres says beat Lanús 9-0 Boca beat Universidad uh, University of Buenos Aires 7-0 and Oracan got a 2-0 away win over Racing which means that as it stands River atop Boca a second but would go top if they won their game in hand over River. Uh, San Lorenzo have played a game more than... This is quite confusing, isn't it, actually? Let's, let's tell you how many everybody's played. River have played nine and have got 23 points. Bocco have played eight and have 21. San Lorenzo have played 10 and have 17. while are on 15 points, so eight points behind River, uh, but have only played six games. They have three games in hand. So if they were to win all of them, and given that it's Waior they might... <laughs> They might very well they have won all of their games apart from that 1-0 defeat. I think it was 1-0, wasn't it, to River um, a few weeks ago. Uh, then Wajor Pisa would go top. And then Racing have eight points from nine games. All about Football, University of Buenos Aires, have seven points from nine games. Or a can have six points from ten games. And Lanús have two points from nine games. That's the championship um, group. I won't bother with the relegation group for now. Um, but what I'm hoping happens, given that San Lorenzo have decided to jump the gun and also have decided to contract so many more players than the AFA were going to force them to is that the other big clubs at least the other clubs have actually got enough of a budget from their overall sporting operations mm-hmm. to do so because I, I think it's fair enough to say you know why Orkisa might be the villains of the Macarena Sanchez story but realistically as a club they probably don't actually have the money to contract 15 mm, players let's they've say they've got, got a lot of money back. Um, it's
1: one of the like richest
0: clubs I think, cause it's, oh, think? Blind, isn't it? like, it's not a uh, okay well, in that uh, case, club is, in that case uh, maybe we should expect Some by the to, university, of course, yeah. But certainly I would hope that it forces River and Boca and Racing and Independiente, um, who are all institutions who, in the Argentine context, are really rich, which means that they're not maybe as quite as much in crippling debt as the others, mm. um, to you do know? the same thing, to, to contract as many of the squads as they can. Although I have to say that the wages aren't fantastic. They're, no, they're, San uh, Lorenzo are paying true. these ladies about 15,000 pesos a month. Which isn't much money. Which is... Which is maybe, more it's more or less what my girlfriend and I are going to be paying in rent on our new flat that we're moving into at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. The thing is that to secure that contract, you have to be able to demonstrate that you're earning three times the amount that the rent costs. So, I'm, I'm not quite sure, I, I can't work out whether these are supposed to be full-time contracts, I can't imagine they are, I think they must be part-time still.
2: Yeah, it's got to be part-time. Um, yeah, because it's the less than minimum. Salary that is being mm. being paid here, and yes. in a, for full time, of
0: course. But of course, there might be performance bonuses or whatever. It'll be an interesting story to follow, anyway, and to see what, what everyone else is doing.
1: I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there'll be kind of contracts within the club as well to do, you know, jobs that mm. no one quite knows what they are.
0: Yeah, and they probably
1: carry on too. Yeah.
0: But yeah, watch this space because we'll we'll continue to fill you in on that um, yes. as as and when clubs announce other. Deals and whatnot, and obviously by the end, of, by the beginning of next season, um, we will have a fully semi-professional or fully part-time or whatever, but it will be a fully professional of some stripe. Um, women's first division, which will be lovely. To, to start with,
2: this is good. In, in, apart from because it's necessary for for women to uh, become professional playing football, uh, because there was like a huge number, or or I, I, at least I read. A big number of, of people. I, I I assume they are uh, supporters of their teams in the male sides, um, not being very happy with this decision, saying that the ratings is what should uh, make uh, women to be non- or not professional. I mean, if they are have the money to pay them because of the rating and, and people because people watches, mm. that should be. Yeah, sure. Of course it's.
0: And that's an attitude that kind of ignores the fact that Argentine clubs are all multi sports clubs. And in pretty much all of them, the only division that pays for itself is the men's football division. And for instance, if you're a member at River and you like playing tennis, so you go along to use the facilities and play tennis or use the gyms at River or whatever, and you support River's basketball team or volleyball team or whatever, all of those teams are paid for by the professional men's football side okay. but actually having mentioned the tennis I, uh, that's the example that, that that's the one exception men's uh, rivers men's tennis division is the only other sport that actually pays for itself the yeah. others are all paid for entirely by by the men's football income so these people who are sort of saying oh well the women should be able to pay for themselves it, it's a bit of a trope and it, it's a very uh, machista kind of, yes, of trope course. as well like, obviously i'm not you know I, I realize that you don't agree with it yourself andres i just thought i would uh, Underline it for for our listeners who are not as familiar with the Argentine club structure. Um, it's not a particularly well. In fact, arc- if River,
2: I I, I think mm. I said this before, but if River wouldn't have tennis uh, in, as as a sport in in the inside their club, perhaps well, I, I perhaps Gabriela Sartini would have found, found another club. Mm. But she played for River when he played as a club level, and well, then she won and yeah. um, was. Uh, they are in the first... Uh, the
0: flight, so... And, and the fact is, as well, that if River didn't have a tennis division, let's say, how many River fan, River fans would actually be pissed off by that? 30, maybe? I think...
2: And yet... Yeah, five or six, maybe. And yet
0: the fact that River's tennis division produced Gabriela Sabatini um, is, is something that's a certain amount of, of pride to fans who follow other sports than just football let's yes. say mm-hmm. um, so there's one thing that people get angry about when it happens and then there's another thing entirely that people feel proud of you know it it doesn't always agree let's say the I think mean,
1: people just like pitching and mining to be honest I'm indeed like. yeah. Grudging uh, professional sports person uh, 15,000 peso contractors. It's nothing, yes. It's a bit mean. Like.
0: And another thing that, that men like to do in particular is to belittle women's sport. Indeed. Um, yes. So, yeah, this has all just reminded me as well that uh, our sometime uh, contributor, Tony, has a new um, Argentine, uh, no, not just Argentine, in fact, a women's football um, Facebook page, which I'm scrolling down to try to find and I can't remember the name of. Uh, which isn't very happy, but uh, helpful, but I will try and dig out the name um, and give it to you a little bit later on. Um, they are mostly active on Facebook and Instagram, but they have a Twitter account as well. It is in Spanish, so it'll be a good excuse for some of you to practice your Spanish if you want to give him a follow. Yes. And I'm sure he'll be very happy. Um, on that note, I'm going to call half-time now, and we will come back to you in a bit and answer some listeners' questions and talk as well about the... Um, various exploits of the Argentine (coughs) children's national football teams Had a poll to decide on our uh, FNASIS sponsored image of the week, and Patronato's survival party won out with two thirds of the votes over Racing and Defense Justicia's mutual guards of honour. Uh, there were a mighty 11 votes, so thank you to everybody who took part in that Twitter poll. This week, um, our nominations for the image of the week are Maxi Rodriguez becoming the first player ever to score a Copa Superliga goal. It must have been a prestigious moment for him in that glittering career. I'm sure that none of the other goals he scored came quite as close as that one to the summit of his own personal recollections. You mean
2: more than the one he scored for Argentina, ex-Mexico?
0: Far more than that, far far more. Come on, this okay. is the being the first player ever to score in a competition. He's mm-hmm. going to go down in the history books. And yeah. people will remember his name in 100 years because of that. For sure. Or something. Uh, if either of you have any other... Nominations? Then feel free to shout them out now.
1: No, nah, that seems alright.
0: But after what has to be said was quite an underwhelming week. Um, that that's the landslide winner. Otherwise, uh, thank you to Fanatis, where you can of course get the best image of the Copa Superliga, as well as the uh, the Superliga itself and the Copa Argentina um, and various other competitions, depending where you're located. And remember that if you go to fntz.co/hop and use the discount code HOPFZ, you can get 20% off your first three months. Um, Please check it out and enjoy if you already have signed up, as we know several of you have done. Um, We're going to move on to the youth national teams, I think is the polite way of putting it, but I've taken to calling them the children's national teams, because I can't quite believe that anybody's actually taking an under-17 competition seriously, and much more so. I struggle to comprehend that there is even an under-15 South American championship. But those are both completed, completed? No, concluded um, over the last few days with varying degrees of controversy, no? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the Argentina-Ecuador game in particular raised a few eyebrows, I think is the polite way of saying.
0: In the under-17s. In the under-17s, again, yes. Uh,
1: it finished... 3-1 to 4-1, 4-1, 4-1 to 4-1. Ecuador a result which simultaneously assured Argentina winning the title and Ecuador uh, qualifying for the under-17s World Cup which was very convenient and the goals a couple of them were interesting on, on Ecuador's side there was one which was a complete defensive cock up, if I remember rightly and one where Argentina's keeper don't even think of asking me his name uh, just just trying to clear the ball straight into the Ecuador player who went on to run it into an empty net which I mean and then there were kind of strange unfair rumblings of you know this is a fix and that but for me it's just kind of it underlines what what Sam was saying these are are kids games and and at that level when you're playing with children these things happen anyone who's Who's ever played, you know, under tens, under elevens, or youth football knows that uh, just weird things happen all the time, and that's well, no, why we shouldn't really take it seriously.
0: There was a lot of talk in Peru about because Peru were the team who ended up being screwed over, they, they would have qualified for the World Cup had Ecuador not won by three goals. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of talk in Peru about sort of we helped them out in the in the Falklands War and this is how they <laughs> repay us, which I think what by screwing by three decades later. Screwing you out of a place in an under seventeen World Cup. Yes, you think? I mean,
2: theory says that we are like uh, we gave uh, Ecuador the possibility to qualify after the match uh, in which we we beat them in the, nat- in the uh, uh, main national team hmm. to qualify to Russia twenty eighteen. Uh, oh yes,
0: Equi- Yeah, of course, because the Argentina qualified with that messy hat trick away to Ecuador, didn't they? So that was yes. payback for Ecuador as well. I'm sure. Yes that uh, fans in Ecuador will be delighted to have got revenge at under-17 level for that defeat. Um, It is a bit weird. So the situation was basically, if if Ecuador had scored one goal more, Argentina would have been knocked down to second in the table. And if Ecuador had scored one goal less, then Ecuador wouldn't have qualified for the World Cup. And I can see how some people are like, well, they both stopped attacking. Apparently it was 4-1 with half an hour to go and the teams just were like, right, let's not bother shooting anymore. I mean, yeah, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, that that's going to happen, I guess. I'm not saying that there wasn't anything dodgy. I just find it really difficult to care at that age group. Indeed. Um, so Argentina under-15s have not been taking part in the Sudamericano sub-15, as we might or might not have just said in a bit that I might or might not have just cut um, from the podcast, because I can't remember exactly how we introduced this half of the discussion and therefore how much I'm going to need to cut. Um, but what they have just won is something called the... Vlatko Markovic international tournament in Croatia Uh, they did that so well done to them they're being managed by Andres you said Diego Placente didn't you? yes yeah Um, and apparently Alejandro Sagese was uh, one the best uh manager of the competition oh, so maybe he was the manager then. because Placente is something or other isn't he? he's in there oh, yeah. assistant uh, Imar's assistant sorry he's under 17 manager or something Santiago Torres was the best goalkeeper Tomas Porra was the MVP um, and the under 15s also won the fair play prize
2: Wonderful.
0: they beat Slovakia China and Croatia on their way to the final where they beat Mexico uh, so well done remember all of the names I just mentioned because no doubt they'll be stars of world football in a few years time or alternatively perhaps we'll never hear from them again because they're under 15s and that can happen Um, anything else oh Pablo Perez has been in some hot water Uh, he said at some point over the weekend he gave a television interview in which he said he would rather have been in the World Cup squad for Argentina last year than uh, have um, been involved with uh, a victorious Boca Juniors side in the final against River Plate of the Copa Libertadores last year oh. and for some reason lots of Boca fans are really angry at him for saying this
2: Fair enough Yeah because he chose the national team mm. uh, ahead of Boca which for a player I think is, it has a lot of sense as they are Argentine and they, the first time they, they kick a ball they, they dream of, of, of play for Argentina, even Maradona, this, this iconic video or, or famous video in which he said that one of his dreams is, is to to play for national team and be champion and that. Uh, so I don't know why Paulo Pérez is in fault or, or, or he was wrong at saying that, of course it's something that we could understand from a supporter that will always... Uh, be, be, be that selfish and think about their team first then their team then their team and national team is while while, while uh, before, uh, uh, in, in a second uh, position um, unless they, they, they play for the World Cup and if they lose then they of course uh, course and, and, and shout at the players mm. but uh, for, for a player is more I understand it more to choose national team uh, I, rather
0: than... I found all the wailing and gnashing of teeth over it rather ironic, given that one of the frequent complaints we hear about the national team is that they don't want to be there, that they'd rather be playing for their clubs and that they're not fit to wear the shirt of Argentina as a result of this. And then Pablo Perez says, actually, I'd rather play for Argentina. And everybody's going, oh, this shows that he doesn't care. How can he possibly say this? About a team, by the way, who he isn't playing for anymore because he <laughs> left them a few months ago and went to Independiente. Um... I find it just it, it's bizarre. But of course it's bizarre because it's modern football fandom, isn't it? Indeed. So there we go. Um, the questions <coughs> that we have had from listeners has done. clears his throat, um, are ah, as follows. Gamer James FM says, Are Tigre the highest club ever to get relegated? The highest placed club ever to get relegated, especially considering that it was a twenty six team league. Um the answer is no. Um,
1: it was... Well, if, it's, if you take it uh, proportionally, wasn't it Tashirga's one year? Possibly. You've got 4 4 fifth. But Did then that was a short tournament.
0: OK. Uh, I'm okay. going over the course of the season. Um, because, of course, even when the short, short championships were a thing, there were still tables compiled over the course of the season to decide Copa Libertadores and uh, Sudamericana spots. Um, and the actual highest place that I have found, or that I can remember was uh, River Plate, who I always remember as having finished 8th over the whole course of the 2010-11 season. I've just looked it up and actually they were 6th um, over the course of that season and of course got relegated in that season thanks to the relegation table. Um, so whether River are actually the highest positioned or not we can't say for absolute certain um, but we can say with absolute certainty that Tigre's highest positioning of ninth uh, is not as high as 6th no. and therefore doesn't go what happens I wonder if we divide because you mentioned the proportions down 26 divided by 9 is 2.88 and 20 divided by 6 is 3.33 so Tigre were higher up right. proportionately I think right because you're talking about a league that was point 0.3 bigger and they finished no so no River is still higher up I've got that the wrong way around uh, in proportion, in proportional terms
1: uh, yes Tigre would have had to finish eighth in order to be higher
0: yes um, whereas they were ninth so that answers that one next listener's question is uh, oh Gamer James also says that he subscribed uh, to Fanatis using our code as have a few other people so thank you Gamer James thank and you. others Ronnie Mazumda says any thoughts about did, sorry did any of you think that Magashan would play in the semi-final of a Champions League after the Libertadores final
2: no.
1: I didn't really give it much thought to be honest, but No. It's curious. Like,
0: um I remember when when Ajax signed him, we all kind of went, Well that's not gonna go as well as Taglia Fico's signing house for them. That's about
1: yeah. it. Yeah. Like the curious thing would be if Ajax do uh go on to reach the final, he would have played uh well if he gets on the pitch of course he would have played two Major continental finals in Madrid in the space of six months, yeah, in the Libertadores and the Champions League. Which and that's definitely not a situation we could have predicted a year ago. It should be a record that is never repeated, yeah, God.
0: Hi. for two <laughs> different continents, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ronnie also, the two
2: stadiums of Madrid because indeed, yes, oh, yeah, because that's the one, this one's going to be in
0: the Uh, Ronnie also asks, Argentina under 20s almost won the title before failing versus Ecuador in the Sudamericano and that was followed by the under 17 team who have just won the title after losing heavily to Ecuador why do all Argentine teams fail on the final day is there complacency is it a mental barrier or is it exhaustion I think exhaustion possibly plays into it particularly with these youth tournaments because one thing you have to bear in mind is that certainly the 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 under 20 it was like a match every two days for virtually the entirety of the tournament I think it's the same
1: for the under 17s as well yeah
0: um and they don't have the okay i mean they're kids they have a lot more energy than than us verging on middle-aged people do these days so I, i'll leave you out now because you're a couple of years younger but um you. you know than than andres and i do um I also but, the but prize, also they, they've yeah. not you know fully grown into their physiques and everything as well so they don't have the stamina that probably a 20 21 22 year old does
1: also at youth level the big prize is um his qualification for the World Cup yeah. the uh, the trophy is very much just the icing on the cake I think we saw uh, this week in the under 17s like the players celebrated much uh, much more effusively uh, gaining that qualification which I think came in the penultimate game mm than lifting the title itself. Although I
0: guess it's easier to celebrate effusively when you've just won, what was it, 2-0 or something, than sure, when you've three won, nil, yeah, lost 4-1. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, that's true as well. But definitely, you know, once that objective of getting the World Cup is, is achieved, there yeah. is a tendency to drop off, which happened both for the under-17s and the under-20s uh, before the final match. Mm,
0: indeed. Uh, and Nick asks, with the many abhorrent instances of racist abuse towards players currently in European football... I was wondering whether this occurs much in Argentina, and if so, what, if anything, is done to counter it?
1: It happens all the time, and absolutely nothing is done to, to counter it.
2: Mm.
1: Although, I mean, it's not... It's, you know, it's probably xenophobia more than anything. The example I'm thinking of is the, the chance against Boca, right? Yeah, it doesn't tend to happen, with, I guess, as, as
0: much directed at players. Yeah. No, it's kind of... The and certainly not it's kind of skin club. colour but there are various chants that most most infamously Rivers uh, fan base get out about Boca fans all being Bolivians and Paraguayans and yeah, I think other unsavoury stuff too. like that. And I think
1: Tacheres have the same ones about the Grana if I remember mm. right in Córdoba. And that has been um, cracked down upon a little bit. I know that there was a time when if you went to a game against Boca the whole game uh, they would see these chants but I think I can't remember when it happened a few years ago. Uh, referees started stopping the game, you know, stopping it dead boy. Some there's referees stop it sometimes. And,
0: and, yeah, and it's something yeah. that's
1: um, that's been... that's diminishing. Um, I know in Racing, when we played Boca, like this chance of breaking out a little bit among the Barra usually, and they usually greeted with a shh hmm. from, from other fans. Uh, more on the side of racism... You get it, like I've, um, there's a lot of examples of black players, you know, being called negro and Yerra from the stands and uh, monkeys and, and God knows what, and yeah, I guess because the, the ratio of black players is so much lower in Argentina, it's just, it's not seen as an issue, it's like, alright, you're black, you're going to get insulted, so just just put up and shut up is the, um, the prevailing sentiment. Mm. But th- wrongly, some, of course. I mean, there are also some cases. Albania, but that that is the reality.
2: Yeah, and there are also some cases in which also press uh, helps with this. I I remember some like covers of Ole uh, talking ironically mm. about black black players or or even the 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 proper players. I, I also recall Marco Perez, a Colombian. Uh, I think he was his Colombian striker that played for Gimnasia. His Teammates called him Shadow uh, as a nickname, um, or Castillo. The, I think was Bolivian. Uh, that his son, his nickname was Little Chocolate. Mm. Uh, so there are some cases in which also the the, the ones that are not uh, in the football itself helped to this. Um, well, and, and also,
0: yes. I mean, that uh, last one that you mentioned reminds me of the substitute goalkeeper for the 1978 World Cup squad who. It's the only, as far as we're aware, um, black player in the history of the Argentine national team, Hector Bailey, whose nickname was Chocolate, chocolate, mm. um, And that's obviously, it, it was an affectionate nickname for him, but it, that kind of... Is, it. I think it's something that st- seems to happen still in Spanish more than in English. I'm not saying it hasn't happened in English in the past, of course, but I think it generally is, gets frowned on more in English now than it does in on, in Spanish. Um, and, and which kind of serves to allow people to go, oh, but it's not really racist because we're, we're being friendly and he doesn't mind it. Mm. And that's probably true in that one isolated instance and in lots of other isolated instances, but the collective is that people get used to referring to black people as chocolate or whatever, um, and, and therefore being able to, I guess, use it in, in insulting terms in different contexts. It's a very complicated... It's thing a to get tough
1: into. one, yeah, I mean, we all recognise that kind of in terms of um, political correctness and kind of proper use of language, uh, the Latin world and of course Argentina is, um, it's like behind other countries kind of in Europe and, it, and the United States, so, let's say, kind of there's certain ways of talking which are widely accepted, even, yeah, as you say, in the media and in, in kind of high circles, which would never
0: There are certain ways of talking which might be terms of endearment in Uruguay, shall we say, to... Indeed, yes. ...copy a phrase that will be familiar to our English-based listeners of a certain age, which is to say roughly our age. Yes. Anyway, those are all the questions. Um, We didn't have many because we're recording so early today. I'm going to do Mystic Sam, I think, now. Um, Oh, hang on. Did we have a question by email? Let me just check my email. We had a question by email last week which I forgot. In fact, I didn't see it until after we recorded. I didn't forget it. And it was from Ese Todoroki. Um, I'm going to read it out now, um, although I have already responded to him uh, by email uh, because he said it seven days ago. But for the benefit of others, Mm -hmm. and because we've still got a little while to go, it's a relatively quick episode this week. Let's read this one out. Essay says, will the relegation system used in the Superliga be phased out and abandoned? I believe that most people... Um, will argue that Tigre, who were ninth in the table, uh, being, being relegated in the, uh, to the second division, while San Lorenzo, who finished bottom, or in fact they didn't quite finish bottom because the points uh, deduction hasn't come into force just yet, but he's, he's not wrong. They, they finished in the relegation in, in the bottom four of the championship table, um, will stay in the top flight for another season. So the situation at the moment is that we keep hearing conflicting things. People keep saying, oh, in a couple of years' time we'll face the promedios out. And nothing How actually can you gets phased.
1: Actually, just got to cut them out. Right? Exactly as they, have, as they yeah. are doing in the
0: national, uh, in, in the Nacional B and right. the lower divisions, from next season I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure from next season onwards, the Superliga is going to be the only division where the points averages are still going to exist. And the Superliga has made repeated noises about wanting to get rid of the points averages, and yet they don't. And It's just a bit strange.
2: Yeah.
0: they talked to answer your question, Dan. They've talked about phasing them out by cutting them down first of all to two seasons. But and then same. one, so so that nobody's ends. just suddenly fighting against the current all of a sudden, yes. unexpectedly, when you would think, well, I mean, whichever situation you're in, you want to win as many matches as you can over the course of the season, don't you? So, you
2: yes. will not avoid this discussions and arguments, uh, even when the, the, the promedios are out, because uh, any other supporter or supporters of any other clubs will tell Tigre supporters, OK, you, of course, it wasn't fair for you to, to be relegated this season or this tournament, but, if you, but you weren't relegated the, the previous one, perhaps, mm. when, when you were awful, uh, So it will be, of course...
0: Although, in fairness, Tigre yes. didn't finish in the bottom four for any of the three seasons that they're being relegated yes. for. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's that sort of... It was a point that I made a couple of weeks ago when I thought that Tigray had finished in the bottom four last season is relegating them at the wrong time. Because yes. now they're very much out of that rut and, and getting back together. And now all of a sudden their squad's going to be dismantled because they're not going to keep, you know, they're not going to do what River were able to do in 2011, what Independiente were able to do in 2013.
1: 20...
0: 13, thank you, Dan. Um, and, and, you know, keep the bulk of their best players and maybe bring in a couple to improve the squad for the second division. Tigre won't be able to do that. So you're going to get Lu- the Lucas's, Hanson, and Menossi probably. Leaving Diego Morales might stick around since he just came back a few months ago, but might not. You know, a lot of Tigres' more talented players are going to be on their way to big five clubs, to Perhaps maybe Lanús, maybe whatever. Montice, I think, is going to leave. It's
1: almost yeah. impossible. It's yeah.
0: Um, so we'll have to see. Anyway, Mystic Sam is coming up. Okay, Jones. Now, what should I do here? Should I predict who's going to go through, or should I predict who will win the matches?
1: Predict who's going to go through, that's what I'm
0: saying. Yeah? Okay. Here we go, then. I'll have to see whether I can actually remember the aggregate scores of each of these ties as I go down, because the first leg scores are off the top of the page. This is the order that the games will be played in, by the way. Um, There are two matches on Friday, but they're starting early, because, of course, Friday is a back holiday here in Argentina, because we're in a Catholic country. Yes, probably. Um, Banfield versus Estudiantes. Banfield have a 1-0 lead there, uh, having finally or won what their second game since Erlan Crespo took charge as manager. Um, and I think that they'll manage to hold on to it. I'm going to go for Banfield to go through in that one. Huracán versus San Lorenzo. Who
2: cares? Um,
0: Friday evening... I, I note that it's a, a nighttime kickoff for a San Lorenzo game. Ah, but of course they're away from home, aren't they? So that's that's okay. Um, Urican to San Lorenzo, I'm going to back... Oh, I'm going to upset multiple listeners, whichever team I go for here. I'm, I'm going to go for San Lorenzo to go through, possibly on penalties, because I think it's going to finish nil-nil again. <laughs> on Saturday, Aldo Sibi host Rosario Central. Aldo Sibi, of course, have a 2-0 first leg lead and I think that they will manage to make that show I think that that's going to be almost City going through Lanús against Belgrano I fancy Lanús to overturn that 3-2 first leg deficit Tacheres versus San Martin de San Juan is going to be very interesting given that San Martin have a 2-0 lead from the first leg um, I fancy that one also maybe to go to penalties I, I think that Tacheres can squeak through in spite of going, being so far behind Godoy Cruz against Patronato, if I remember rightly, it's deadlocked at 1-1. I think Godoy Cruz will go through there. Tigre versus Colon was 0-0 in the first leg. I think that Tigre will get through. Newell's old boys, of course, with Maxi Rodriguez becoming the first ever player to score in the Copa Superliga, beat him Nassi 1-0 in the first leg. And in the second leg, I think that Newell's will get through because it's going to be a really low-scoring game.
1: Yeah, so you're only going to go through on the back of this uh, glittering Copa Superliga tradition. That yes. Got.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Unión versus San Martín de Tucumán. I'm having to remind myself of what the first uh, one, leg one, score one. was. That was one-one yes. uh, with uh, Lucas Acevedo getting a ninety-first-minute equaliser for San Martín. Um, I think that Union are going to win that one and Independiente versus Argentinos Juniors sorry Independiente fans but I think Argentinos can hang on I was impressed with them in the first leg um, so I'm going for, for Argentinos to go through hopefully some of those as we said earlier will be more impressive than the first leg um, of those ties Let's hope so. and hopefully when the top six come in in the next round they will be more interesting but for now thank you very much for listening to us Uh, thank you very much for supporting the podcast for such a long time if you're a Patreon subscriber then you've got a Hand of Pod extra episode coming up very soon which we're about to record no idea what it's going to be about but we'll find out in a few minutes Um, and for now thanks and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye English down thank you and good evening and me thank you and goodbye There are a few results to tell you about uh, from this evening's matches. In the Copa Argentina, Mitre de Santiago del Estero beat Deportivo General Roca 1-0. And in a match that probably more of you care about, uh, River Plate beat Argentino de Merlo 3-0. It was quite a struggle apparently for River for the first hour, but they got three goals in the last... uh, 25 minutes or 30 minutes or so um, in the Copa Sudamericana Independiente del Valle remember I said it was going to be an interesting game and I thought they could turn it around they did, they won 2-0 at home to Union to take the tie to penalties and then they won the shootout 4-2 so unlucky Union uh, better luck next time